So good evening, everybody, and welcome to our uh, third year on Daf Daled of Masechet Rosh Hashanah. Welcome to everyone who's here and to everyone who is listening. Um, so last time, yesterday, Rav, Rabbi Kennard um, talked about the Gemara. The Gemara asked, the Gemara mentioned that the Jewish kings were counting, the, were beginning their years uh, in, in the beginning of Nisan. The kings of the non-Jewish nations begin their years on the Tishrei, and then the Gemara was talking about Koresh, uh, or the Yavesh, or Artachshasta, um, and we, like a contradiction of sources, one time we count the years from Nisan, because it, they were, it was a Tzadik, and the, then there was another time that the years clicked on the Tishrei, and the Gemara explained that was after he already became wicked. And then the Gemara challenges that and says, and did he actually Matkif Rav Kahana, the very end of Dav Gimel Amudbet, the last line, Matkif Rav Kahana, Umi Ichmit, Rav Kahana says, wait a minute, did he actually become wicked? The Haktiv, the Pasuk says, the words of um, Dariyavesh, Uma Hashchan, now he's actually uh, sending a letter for the people to give all the supplies to the kind that they want, just read the Pasuk, Uma Hashchan, Uvnei Torin V'dichrin V'imrin Le'ailavan Le'elach Shemaya, Hintin Melach Hamar Umshach Kemamar Kahanead Yerushalayim Lehu Lehu Leheve Sicha Leheve Mityahav Lahem Yom Beyom Dila Shalu. Effectively means Umachashchan, whatever they need, Uvnei Torin V'dichrin V'imrin, all the animals, you know, the birds or the, the, the cattle that they need for their sacrifices, Le'ailavan to the Korban Ola. To Hashem, Le'elah, Shmayat, to the God of the heavens, Chintin, uh, like, you know, wheat and salt, wine and oil, uh, all the things we use uh, for the Korbanot as well. Whatever the Kohanim says in Yerushalayim, the Kohanim Yerushalayim says, should be given to them without any delay. That's what he says. So, obviously, if that's the letter that he sends, you should give the Kohanim all, everything they need for the Korbanot. Obviously, at that point in time, he's not wicked, he's a tzaddik. However, the Gemara says, Amalu Rabbi Yitzchak, nah, that's not a proof that he was a tzaddik. Amalu Rabbi, mitonach. Rabbi, it's exactly from the psukim that you mentioned that I can prove the, the other way around. Why? Because the very next passage says, Di lehevon mehakrevin nichochin le'elah shamaya, umetzalayin lechaye malka uvnohi. In other words, the reason that Daryavish wanted the Kohanim to have all the supplies for the Korbanot was personal interest. He wanted them to bring all the Korbanot so that they can pray for Hashem for the, for the health and wealth and success of the king, Daryavish, and his family. So obviously, he had an interest. It wasn't because of his righteousness. So effectively, yes, he was wicked. And then the man says, wait a minute. Uman de avad hachilav me'aliutai? Are you telling me that if someone wants to support Beit HaMikdash and the Korbanot for the sake of his own personal success and the success of his children and family, is that a problem? Does that mean he's not a tzaddik? We actually have a contradictory source. We have a Chachamim say, there's a Baraisa in Sanhedrin that HaOmer Sela Zolit one who says, I'm going to donate this silla, it's a coin, or it's an amount of money for tzedakah, in order that my children shall live, also that, also that it will, I will merit to go into the afterlife to heaven. If anyone says that, fine, it's a personal interest, but he is a tzaddik, is a complete righteous. 
So how is that a problem that Dariyavash did the same thing? What's the difference? So, when we're talking about Israel, Jewish people, it's alright. They could be Tzadik Amur. When we're talking about non-Jews, it's a problem. Why? What's the difference? It's not PC. Uh, sorry, the Gemara doesn't say non-Jews. It says Ovdei Kuchavim, idolaters. And the reason why, the way Chazal and the commentators in Rashi explain what's the difference between them is proper Yids, you know, even if they donate money because they want some success or health for their children, if end of the day they don't get what they wanted, they'll, they'll understand and say, look, God does not work for me. You know, I was donating money. I was hoping for this to happen. If it didn't happen, maybe I wasn't tzaddik enough. Maybe I didn't deserve it. So that's how they'll explain it. The idolaters, if they ask some god something, if they ask any god, right, something with a small g's, and they won't get it, they'll think, oh, this god is nothing. It's nonsense. It's just tuyot, right? And if that's how they relate to Hakadosh Baruch obviously they're showing. So Dariyavish was an was. Uh, and when he says that for his personal interest, yes, in this case, he was a Russia. But the, the writer that says Israeli, a, a, a Jew that says that, is something more because now, end of the day, it's about the approach. So a Jewish person can have the approach of the idolaters. In other words, if, if some Jewish person says, I'm going to do this mitzvah because I want this reward, and that doesn't happen, and then he starts, you know. Cursing and whatever, oh, okay, I, I regret every, every, I regret all the myths of all the zakat that I gave. It's, it's, it's the exact same thing, um, like, um, and it's actually, he's a, he's a Russian. Tosfot here make a very interesting comment. They say, wait a minute, there's a Mishnah Masechet Avot. It says, It says, you shouldn't be like servants to serve the Rav, the, the master, in order to get a reward. Wait a minute. But we know that even if you do it, you eat Sadiq What's the problem with it? So, there's a few explanations about it. Tosfat says, He explains, yeah, what the Mishnah Masechet Avot says means is don't do that in a way that if you won't get what you wanted, you will regret the mitzvah that you did. Meaning, don't do it only for this reward that you're expecting. Okay? Um, on another note, you could say that, you know, if someone's going to regret, obviously, it's Russia. But Masechet Avot is only guiding us to the ideal. You know, one who can do a give tzedakah for, for, for his personal success, he could still be tzaddik if he won't regret the mitzvah, if he's going to do the mitzvah regardless. He could still be tzaddik, but then again, the Mishnah Masechet Avot could say, you know what, but there's another level. You can still do it even not for that. And that could be something else. Um, okay, let's just move on. So, end of the day, uh, yeah, so we end up understanding that Daryavish was a Russia because uh, that was his approach to the Korbanot. Uh, the Gemara says, I'm going to give you another uh, source that he was a Russia. How do you know that he became wicked? Achmitz, uh, fermented once again. So in the letter that he sent uh, with Ezra, with the instruction of how to build the walls of Beit HaMikdash, so he says, when you build the walls, so, so it's going to be three rows of even, how do you say shayish? Like stone, like proper stone. Sorry, what did you Oh, marble. Right, so three rows of marble in the wall. 
Sorry, it's the Australian accent. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> so three rows of, of marble stone, and then one row of, of of timber. Okay, and of course all the expenses on me. That's what he says, right? Um, why would he build the wall this way? That he had one line of wood. The, because the Gemara says, because he thought, if the Jews will rebel against me, I will burn their house in fire. I will set the house in fire. I'll burn their Beit HaMikdash. So we know that even though we actually allowed them and supported, so-called, their building of Beit HaMikdash, he already had the plan for the destruction of Beit HaMikdash to make it easy for him if he wanted. So obviously he was a Russia. And now the Gemara says, wait a minute, wait a minute. Shlomo did the, the exact same thing. When Shlomo is designing the walls of the Beit HaMikdash, the Gemara, and did Shlomo HaMelech not do the exact same thing? The Haktiv, the Pasuk says about Shlomo HaMelech, Shloshat Urei Gazit, Vetur Karatut Arazim. So three, um, again, three lines of Gazit, which is a stone, and then one line of, of, of timber, of Erez. The Gemara says, three differences between Shlomo and the Ravash. First, Shlomo avad milemala ve'iu avad milemata. So the, 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 the wooden part of the wall in Dariyavis' wall was on the bottom. In Shlomo, it was on the top. So even if you burn it, it's not going to destroy the whole building. It's not going to burn it. It's not going to have an effect on the rest of the building. With Dariyavis, that was on the bottom of the wall. And if you burn that, the whole thing collapses. That's one difference. Another difference is... So Shlomo actually made it actually part of the building that was actually inside the building was covered with, with stones. And the, you, know, you couldn't see it and you couldn't approach it. It would definitely not be very easy to, to burn, to, to set that timber on fire. However, with Dariyavish, it was not inside the, 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 the thickness of the building. It was outside, it was very easy to burn. Shlomo side, the third one is Shlomo side the Besida. Shlomo uh, covered it with plaster, with seed, uh, which is plaster, some of, uh, layer of uh, sort of paint. The Ihu, so again, to just protect it from, to make it harder to, to burn. Um, and Daryavish, Ihu, him, Lo side the Besida, he did not cover it with plaster. And then again, obviously, that's the major differences be, between them. Shlomo was a Tzadik, Daryavish was a Rasha. And now the Gemara says, I have another reason why Daryavish to show you that he was actually a Rasha. From where do we learn that he actually uh, became wicked? From here. As the Pasuk says, in Nehemiah, he was talking to the king. So the king was talking to me and the Shigal was sitting next to him. Shigal, the Gemara is trying to say, what does this word mean? Usually when it's in the Torah, it's always the root of Shigal always is in a sexual uh, context. And the Gemara is trying to see my Shigal, what's Shigal mean here? In this passage, it means Kalbeta was actually a female dog that he actually, he would have, uh, it's crazy, he would have relations with that dog. And in fact, even though it wasn't a Jew, even the non-Jews were commanded with bestiality, right? Because in Rashi, if you, if you see Rashi, Rashi explains where that's learned in the Dibura Matchal Kabata, um, he would have relations with the, with the, with the dog, Uvnei Noach, and the, even, even Bnei Noach, who's Hawalkar, they were warned not to do that. Shenemar, as the Pasuk says, V'hayu levasar echad, right? The, the Torah says that a man would, uh, would, be, uh, would unite with a woman, V'hayu levasar echad, in other words, and they will become one 
they will become one, and Chazal learned that it means that they will have a a child, which is the combination the, the combination of both of them. Uh, of course, uh, to exclude uh, any sort of animals, that a man cannot have a child with an animal. Uh, that obviously they're forbidden even for the non-Jews. So obviously, if that's what the Yavish did, he was he was a rasha. He was wicked. Now the Gemara says, wait a minute, that would be a problem. Why? Because Ela if that's what you say, how do we explain the following pasuk? If 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 Shegal is a dog, the female dog. So the other pasuk about King Bashatzar, written in Daniel, the Alma Radishmaya. So there's a criticism for Bashatzar King that he says. Uh, uh, the Navi says to him, "Marandish ve'al marash ma'ya hitromamt ulemaniyeh di bete heitiv kodamach ve'ant ve'rav revaneach shegilatach ulchenatach hamrash atyan behon." In other words, and you actually, um, you, how do you say? You sort of, you sort of condescended upon God, and you took the uh, utensils of His uh, temple to your palace. And you had you and your servants and your uh, and your concubines and your shegals uh, drinking wine with those uh, utensils of Beit Hamikdash. And the Gemara says, wait a minute. If shegal means a dog, can a dog drink wine? Can a dog drink wine? The Gemara says, nah, that's not a problem. Hello, Kashya. Again, in the circus, right? You can teach your dog to drink wine. If you ask me, if you ask you know, any Mizrahi family who has a dog, they can teach a dog to drink whiskey as well. <laughs> okay, but I have a problem with another Pasuk. In Sefer Tehillim, he's going to talk about the amazing uh, glory that Amisel will have in the end of days. And the Pasuk says in Tehillim, So, Bnei Israel will have an enormous glory, and a part of the description is that they will have a Shegal to their right, decorated with a Ketem Ophir, which would refer to a very special type of gold coming from the land of Ophir. Wait a minute. The Ishegal, Kalbetahi, if Shegal is actually a dog, I mean, what, what, what's the big deal? What's the, what's the glory that the Navi is actually uh, mentioning to Am Yisrael? It's, it's a disgrace. It's no not, it's not glory. Actually, this pasuk should not be read and understood literally. This is how we understand it. So, in the reward for that, uh, you loved the Torah. The Torah is beloved on Am Israel, just like Shegal is beloved by the idolaters. So just like the idolaters love the dog, um, again, if it's taken literally, it's, a bit, it's quite difficult to understand. Again, we're not talking about just non-Jew, talking about idolaters, but even though it's a bit difficult, Maharal explained there's this, another aspect, like a, a deeper spiritual uh, d- uh, Dimension to it, Maharal explains that the dog would symbolize, um, you know, sort of beastie forces, uh, darker forces that the idolaters um, are attracted to, and uh, and Am Israel would would have the same passion, lahavdil lahavdil, towards the Torah. That's how they would be passionate about the Torah, and in in reward for that, they will marry to have ketem ofir, a very special kind of gold again, which will refer to something very very special. Fine. So now we understood that this Shegal that Daryabish has was a dog. 
and then every Shegal in the Psukim that we know, we can explain that actually, literally could mean the dog. Now the Gemara says, We could say otherwise. Le'olam Shegal Malketai. You know, we could say that Shegal would mean the queen. And again, I think it's not a very dignified way to relate to a queen. Um, but again, we could say that every time it's mentioned in the Pasuk, uh, it would mean the queen as a default. However, the Rabba Barlema, Rabba Barlema, who gave us this interpretation of the Pasuk on Daryavish, Gemara Gamirla. Okay? So he had a, a, like a heritage from his rabbis, because from their rabbis, that this specific Shigal in Daryavish's Pasuk would refer to an actual female dog. Okay? As opposed to all other Shigal in the Bible, which would mean a, a queen. The, and so now the Gemara is asking the obvious question. So, wait a minute, why won't you? So, okay, so why won't you speak uh, speak Hebrew, right? Call the child by its name. Why do you call it Shigal if it's a dog? My Shigal. Two one of two explanations. He would love this dog just like a queen. Inami, alternatively, Shigal. He would actually let this dog sit in the chair right next to him in the chair uh, that was meant to be. For the queen. Right, so that's another uh, way that we know that the Ryabesh was wicked because of his relations with the dog. The Ibait Ema, another option, Minalam How do you know that it was a Russia? Miacha, the Pasik says, uh, now we're talking about a letter that he writes to Ezra, and here he actually gives them the quote. In other words, how much, what's the budget? How much should we supply, should, should, should we supply the Kohani or the, the builders of the Mikdash in terms of, you know, uh, as we'll see. How much supply should, should we give them? They said, Ad kesef kikirin mea. So we're talking about silver, silver pieces, 100, kikarot. Ad chintin korin mea. So kor is a, again, is a volume measurement. Uh, and with the weight, uh, 100 korin. Ad chemar batin. Again, a, a batin, also volume measurements. So with the wine, again, a hundred batim. Ve'ad batin, ve'ad batin meshach. Ve'ad batin meshach me'ah. Once again, meshach, oil. Again, these are, this is the budget. This is only what we should supply them. Umelach dilo katav. So, you know, salt is on the house. Whatever. Give them as, uh, as much salt as they need. So the Gemara says, wait a minute. In the beginning, when he gave them permission to build, meikara, in the beginning, below Kituta. He didn't, you know, he didn't limit their budget. He said, you know, you give them whatever they need. And now he says, oh, you, you limit their supplies. The hashtag Bekitsuta. Ah, so obviously now he's a Russia. He's not supporting Beit HaMikdash as much as he should have. But then the Gemara says, wait a minute. You know, maybe in the beginning, he just didn't know what was needed. So in the beginning, which is it, give them whatever they need, and then they learn about the specific needs of Beit HaMikdash, and then, now that I know how much you need, you don't need more than this. So it doesn't mean that he was wicked. The Gemara says, you know what? Yeah, it doesn't mean that he was necessarily that he was wicked. So you know what? We have three other proofs why he was wicked. We don't need a fourth one. Okay. So now we ended up with uh, um, talking, discussing Rosh Hashanah, Chad Ben to be Rosh Hashanah, for the kings, of course, not to the kings of the, uh, of the other nations. Fine. There was another aspect in which Chad uh, ben was a Rosh And that was La Regalim. La Regalim says, uh, of course, from the Mishnah, Regalim says the Gemara Be'echad. Regalim Be'echad ben Nisanu. So wait a minute, wait a minute. What does it mean Be'echad ben Nisanu Rosh Hashanah Regalim if 
uh, the regal is in the 15th. Is the Pesach is, is on the Aleph Benisan, is in the Benisan. So the Gemara Bechamisha Asar Benisan is on the Echad Benisan. Amar of Chizda. Yeah, you're right. Amar of Chizda, regal Shebo, the regal, I mean the, the Chag, the festival, in that month of Nisan, in that month that enters in Aleph Benisan, which is obviously Nisan. So the festival that is, that's in that month is the Rosh Hashanah to the Regalim. It's important uh, j- j- just to notice that it effectively means that the actual Rosh Hashanah to the Regalim is not Echad Benisan, but actually Pesach. The Mishnah counts them as one. It says Echad Benisan, Rosh Hashanah, Lamlachim, Ula Regalim. But the truth is, like, uh, technically, the Rosh Hashanah for the Regalim is actually Pesach. Okay? Just worth noting. Um, so, okay, so Pesach is Rosh Hashanah Regalim. Nafkamina. Who ki- I mean, what's the Nafkamina? Uh, the Gemara says, Nafkamina le noder le meikam ala bebal te'acher. Okay? So if one ever vowed to bring anything to the Beis HaMikdash, uh, made a neder to bring something to the Beis HaMikdash, so now the counting of the Regalim, that will determine when he will actually violate the Lota said the prohibition of Baal Te'acher. If one vows to make the neder to bring anything to the Amigdash, he should not delay the payment of his neder, of his korbanot, of whatever he, he wanted to give. So the Pasik says, Baal Te'acher um, and, and the Torah doesn't say, okay, don't be late. How's, how, how much is late? How late is late? The Torah doesn't, doesn't give us a, a, anything definitive. So now we know that we count, uh, we, we count the regalim, as, as we'll see in the Gemara, and Pesach is the first one, it's the Rosh Hashanah to the Regalim. And this Mishnah is going according to Rabbi Shimon, the Rabbi Shimoni. The Tanya, as Rabbi Shimon said, the Brayta says, Echad Hanodel, Vechad Hamakdish, Vechad Hamarich. So, um, one who vowed something to the Betamidish as an Ezer, Vechad Hamakdish, one who actually, who, um, uh, who, Hamakdish, who like say, Sanctify. Would sanctify anything, any object to the Beit Hamikdash. Vechad Hamarich. One would say, I will bring my value to the Beit Hamikdash. There's a whole list in Sefer Vayikra. Um, that th- there's a list of, of values, and each one has a value determined by his age, uh, gender. Uh, these things are. I mean, they're not like regular things. Some so that will uh, differentiate two different things. One can say, I will, I will, uh, I will bring my worth to the Beit Hamikdash, and then he was going to have to bring how much he's worth in the, in the work market. Okay, that's one thing. Um, and then there's another, if I say my value, I'll bring my value, then there's a whole list of values that has nothing to do with your work abilities and your skills, okay? It's a more spiritual thing. And uh, anyone who makes these vows and he has to bring them to the Beta Mikdash, the Brayster says, after, you know, from his vow, if three festivals, three regalim pass, he transgresses the prohibition of Balte Acher because he's already too late bringing his, uh, what he promised. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Shlosha Regalim Kesidran. So not just three festivals. Three festivals in the right, in the exact order. So it has to be Pesach, Shavuot, Vesukot very specifically. Okay? And then, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai And so Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai would say, another source, uh, in other words, Regalim, with the Regalim, when it comes to Bal Yacher, Bal Te'acher, and the, and the counting of the Regalim, sometimes it, it takes three Regalim to violate Bal Te'acher, sometimes only four Regalim, it's too late, and sometimes five Regalim will be only too late. 
Ketad household, if you made the vow before Pesach, then it's a Pesach Shavuot Vesukot. Again, in the, in the right order. And after Sukkot, that's, you know, you violated the Baal Te'achir. Lifnei Atzeh. Now, if you vow before Shavuot, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take five festivals before he's too late. Because if you vow before Shavuot, then it's Shavuot and Sukkot, and only then Pesach, which will start the count of three, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. So that'll take even longer. And if you vowed before uh, Sukkot, it's only gonna, you're gonna have to wait for, I mean, you shouldn't wait for Hagim, you should bring it as soon as possible. But only after four Hagim, uh, festival Regalim, he would violate Baal Te'acher. For Shavuot? If he, if he, no, if he vowed before Shavuot, it's gonna be five Regalim. Uh-huh. If he vowed before Sukkot, four. then it'll be Sukkot, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. Because it has to be Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot, beginning with Pesach. Now, the Gemara is going to bring a brighter. In fact, there's five different opinions. There's a uh, penta machloket about this question. And the brighter says, So all the people who actually vowed and have to bring to the base of Migdash, Damin, Ve'arachin, Ve'achamin, Ve'akdashot, Chataot, Ve'ashamot, Olot, Shlanim, U'shlamin, Tzedakot, U'masrot, Bechor, U'maser, U'fesach. I'll explain it very, very briefly soon. Leket Shichicha U'pe'ar. Okay, so people who... Oh, all these things to Beta Mikdash. Let's go briefly on all of them. Hadamim, one who says, I'm going to bring my worth. Okay? That's how much I'm worth as a worker, as an employee. Uh, each you know, person according to their skills. Ve'arachin, if I say my value, again, we say that it's this list in the Torah, uh, already fixed prices. Haramin, if one is actually sanctifies uh, any object that he has to the Beta Mikdash. Shot, if one sanctifies any sum of money or objects also to the Beta Mikdash. Chataot, Korban Chatat. Korban Hasham, Olot, Shlamim, all the types of Korbanot, Tzedakot, Tzedakah, the one wants to donate, Ma'asrot, Trumot Ma'asrot, all the tithes, Bechor, the firstborn of one's cattle, Ma'aser, Ma'aser Behema, Kanirei, again, Ma'aser Behema, just like the Bechor, Pesach, how would Pesach have anything to do with this? I mean, Pesach, you have to bring it on Pesach. How can you wait some regalim? So the Gemara is going to discuss that next stuff. Okay? And then, Leket Shichecha Upea. Now, Leket Shichecha Upea are very interesting. How can we have those in the discussion of Baal Te'achar? Leket Shichecha Upea are the things you have to leave in your field. I mean, Leket are the Shibolim, like the, the wheat that you actually left that dropped off your cart. And you are, you're not supposed to go back and collect them. You should leave them for the poor. Um, again, shirecha. If you forgot a pile of wheat in your field or a stack of wheat in your field, you leave. You don't go back to get it. And then pei is something that you should lechatchila, um, like deliberately leave in the corner of your field for poor people to come. So how can I mean you leave it for them and they should come and take it? How can how can this relate to the uh, discussion of balta acher? So Tosfot asks the question, and a lot of commentators do as well. And in general, it means that when there are no poor people to come and collect it, then you should, if you can see Tosfot, I'm just going to read it. There's a member of Rav Sheshet. Uh, if you have regular Gemara, and you have Rabbeinu Hanala on your right side, your right hand side of the page, so right next to it, there's a line in Tosfot beginning with the word Rav Sheshet. Rav Sheshet Amal, in Masachat Chulin, that you should leave those things, those uh, parts of your crops, to the poor people. The law, and we deduct from this, to the poor people and not for the animals, right? For the crows and for the bats. Uh, not the animals to eat. In other words, if there's no poor people to, if you live in Kesaria or Ranana, and there's no poor people to actually come and collect it, then you should collect it or go north. And you should come and collect it yourself 
and, and, and you go look for people in need to give it to them. And then it's on you and you shouldn't keep it for too long. Okay? Now, all the people who are all of the above to the Beit HaMikdash or to Tzedakah, Kevan she'avu'alem, so the opinion of Tanakama, Kevan she'avu'alem, shlosha regalim, or the Once three regalim has passed, one violated the, the history, the prohibition of Baal Te'acher, Tanakama, or Rabbanam. A second opinion, Rabbi Shimon, that you already know, Rabbi Shimon Amer, shlosha regalim kesidran, three regalim kesidran, v'chagam atzot chilah, again, it's three regalim, but it has to begin with Pesach, so again, it could be four, it could be five, like we said, have to be in the right order. Rabbi Meir, third opinion, says, One festival, one regal, either Pesach or Shavuot or Sukkot, that's it, it's about Akhir. <coughs> Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, a fourth opinion, says, Once <coughs> two festivals pass, that's about Akhir. Rabbi Eliezer ben Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Eliezer ben Rabbi Shimon, um, it has to be Chag Sukkot. Right. Five different opinions. Now the Gemara is going to analyze and try to explain the reason for each one of them. Okay? The Gemara says, My Tama de Tanakama. What's the reason behind Tanakama? Again, Tanakama says three, any three festivals, one after the other. It says, Mirde Minayusali. So the passage of this week's passage says, Shalosh Pamim Bashalosh Pamim Bashalosh Pamim Bashalosh. Sorry that I might not be quoting it very, very accurately. So this Pasuk is already in right after the Pasha that's talking about the Shlosha Regalim. So since this Pasuk is actually referring obviously to the, to the Psukim above that are talking about the three festivals. Why does the Pasuk need to repeat? Sorry, um, just blank with the pasuk, but it says Rashi, 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 my best friend. A for there. You're so the Gemara, we just talked about the three Chagim, and the Pasuk says three times you have to show up. So why does the Pasuk have to end up with B'chag HaMatzot, B'chag HaShavuot, B'chag HaSukot? Okay? Aha, the Gemara says, the reason why the Gemara repeats it, U'michtad B'chag HaMatzot, B'chag HaShavuot, B'chag HaSukot, Shnamina to teach us L'Bal Te'acher. That there's another halacha to be learned, and that after these three chagim pass, then there would be a there could be a violation of Baal Te'acher. That's Tanakama. Rabbi Shimon says, uh, Rabbi Shimon that holds that it has to be in the right order, beginning with Pesach. Rabbi Shimon Omer, So this pasuk appears right after Mamash the parsha of Chag Sukkot. So we definitely don't have to mention Chag Sukkot in the last pasuk because this is the parsha that you're in. You don't have to say Chag Sukkot because that's what the very Pesukim we're talking about just a second ago. Why did the Pasuk mention Sukkot? To tell you that this one should be the last. 
Okay? And therefore, you have to begin with Pesach and end with Sukkot. And if you made the vow before Atzeret, um, and you're going to get to Sukkot, it's only two. So you're going to have to wait five with Balim, like we said. Okay. Rabbi Meir says, um, please stop me for any questions. Hmm? Rabbi Meir says, Maitama, Dechtiv. So what's the time of Rabbi Meir who said, one festival, one regular is enough? Because the Pasuk says, Uvata Shama, Shama. When you should come to the Beit HaMikdash in a Chag, you should bring all your Korbanot. Uh, and, um, and the Gemara says, So when you come, you should bring everything that you, that you, have, to, that you have to bring to the Beit HaMikdash. So the Mayor says, okay, obviously all the things you vowed, you're going to have to bring. Otherwise, you're violating Batacha, you're too late. Rabbanan, why did they not accept this Pasuk, this Limut from this Pasuk? Because this pasuk is a positive mitzvah, shama, and when you come, you shall bring. That's a positive mitzvah, and if you don't, then you do not do the positive mitzvah. But it does not mean that you violate a negative alotase. Okay, that's chachamim. What would Rabbi Meir say in response? Rabbi Meir will say, "Look, the Torah never determined when are you. When is it too late?" So if the Torah said, this is when you should bring it, positively, an assay, obviously if you don't listen to the Torah, then, you've, then you're too late. That's Rabbi Meir. Since the Torah said, you should bring it, and you didn't, it's like, naturally, um, you are actually violating about Ba'atahir, as a result. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, the fourth opinion, who said... Two regalim, it has to be. Maitama, he's learning it also from another Pasuk, uh, both him and Rabbi Meir, not from the original Pasuk of Pesach Shavuot, Chagam Asot, Chagam Shavuot, Chagam Sukkot. So Rabbi Meir Zabin Yaakov is learning from the Pasuk, Dechtiv, Eilet Asul Hashem Bemoadechem. These are the things that you should bring to the Beis Amigdash, you do to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, bring to the Beis Amigdash in your Moadim Bemoadechem. Um, and... Moadichem is plural. How much is plural Moadim? We have a rule that Mi'ut Moadim Shnaim. Whenever we have a plural tense, tense form in the Pasuk, then it's at least two. Then we know that it's two, maybe it's more, but we're not sure, so we'll keep it just in two. And therefore, two Chagim, that's more than that, would be a violation of Baal Acher, Rabbanan. Why would, Rabbi, why would Chachamim not learn from this Pasuk that it's two Chagim? The Rabbanan, Hahu, this Pasuk, they would use it, they would need it uh, to learn like Lechde Rabbi Yonah, like Rabbi Yonah did. Uh, the Amar Rabbi Yonah, what does he learn from this Pasuk? This Pasuk that says, This you shall do to Hashem in your Moadim, it actually will compare will be a hekesh, ken? Mekish kolamadim, that is it. It will, it will compare all the festivals um, to one another, uh, that they will be all similar to, to, to a very specific halacha. Shekulam chaprim al tumat mikdash v'kodashav. The Korban Musaf of all the Chagim would atone for all the chataim of tumat mikdash v'kodashav. For example, if, if an impure person is getting into the Beit mikdash, that's a head of tumat mikdash. If, um, if someone is eating a Kodesh that became impure, all, all these kind of uh, scenes that 
have something to do with Beit Hamidosh and, and, and impurity. So the Korban Musaf of the festivals will atone those sins. So all the Chagim will be the same in this respect. So that's what's learned from this passage. That's why um, they learned it from the original passage we mentioned around the three festivals. Going, um, going to the third, the fifth opinion, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. Are we with time? Okay. Then we'll just try and keep it short and soon. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, the fifth opinion, Rabbi Eliezer, sorry, sorry, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Eliezer, Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, what's his reason? That he, what's the reason that he said, Chag Sukkot, the brighter said, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, Omer, Lo, the Pasuk shouldn't have mentioned Hagi Sukkot, like we said, similarly to what Rabbi Shimon says. Because because the Pasuk was actually talking about Hagi Sukkot. Why was Hagi Sukkot mentioned? To, to teach us that this is the one that actually does it. That Hagi Sukkot is the only one that matters. When Hagi Sukkot comes, that's it. It's too late. Uh, it doesn't matter how many, how many Hagim you actually waited. Should you go a few more minutes? Everyone's asleep. Okay, but yeah. So let's let's wrap it up here. The simcha will continue tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.